With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Tennis.com podcast. And here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Hey guys, Ed McGrogan back again for the Across the Podcast, and I, I'm I'm flattered by the uh, what seems to be pretty good response to this this one man show. Um, if you if you do want to see it continue for additional slams, perhaps the U.S. Open, um, please let me know, and we can perhaps make that happen. Uh, and also appreciate the various questions that have been tweeted in to at Ed McGrogan. Uh, E-D-M-C-G-R-O-G-A-N. We'll take a look at a few of those on today's post-quarterfinal edition of the Across the Podcast. as I am, of course, recording this from New England, not actual England, where everybody has just wrapped up play today. Uh, it, ended a, it ended with Richard Gasquet uh, defeating Stan Wawrinka 11-9 in the fifth to hook his spot in the semifinals across from Novak Djokovic and the winner of that will face either Roger Federer or Andy Murray in the men's final. Uh, And on the women's side we have the latest edition of Serena versus Sharapova. It's now 2-17 the record that Maria brings into this match. Um, We just saw them Pretty recently at the Aussie Open, face off at a major. So it's, um, you know, it's another one where we, you know, it's almost what more can you say in terms of writing the preview, in terms of breaking down what each player has to do. It's not even about what each player has to do, it's what each player perhaps can or cannot do. And I think you know who has the can and who has the cannot next to their name. Um, in that matchup. So what end up, what may end up being more intriguing perhaps uh, unless you're unless we're thinking you know of another Serena uh, you know early deficit which certainly is in the cards but regardless what may end up being the best quarterfinal on the women, or best semifinal on the women's side is Agnieszka Radwanska against Garbine Muguruza and um and I do like that one, you know, I am, I think, looking forward a little more to that one, really, than Serena versus Sharapova, uh, simply because I've been reminded this tournament of why Muguruza has been, A, ranked as highly as she is, B, always considered to be really one of the the top young talents in the game, um, and you know, really just reminded me of the mat of the great matches that she's already played in her in her you know very young career to this point. Um, you know, in in getting by uh, in getting by 
to this this stage of the of the tournament. I mean, you see how how just of a, how much of a game-breaking shot that forehand of hers can be. It's uh, it's hit. You know, you 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 hear a sound when she makes proper contact on that that not many players can make. Um, and I'm very curious to see how that measures up to what appears to be kind of a renewed, uh, re-energized Agnieszka Rodwanska, who I think is has kind of at this point, after you know a failed experiment with Martina Navratilova and a very extremely slow start to the year, is kind of really playing with a lot less on her shoulders and you know, obviously is on the more advantageous side of the Wimbledon draw, uh, but, you know, has has taken full advantage. She uh, you beat a fellow fellow vet, Yelena Yankovic, to get to the Final Four, and uh, and obviously has been, you know, to this stage and beyond at the only, at the Ellingham Club before. And that's going to be probably, for me, the biggest challenge for... For Muguruza is Radwanska. You know, I think both players could come into this match thinking to themselves that they should win this. They that Muguruza gets, you know, certainly not an opponent that she perhaps could have expected at the, the semifinal stage. I think she's probably realizing how well she's playing and, and figures if she can keep that up, that even Radwanska, you know, doesn't have the artillery to keep up with her. Uh, for Radwanska, though, you know, as a former Wimbledon finalist and you know playing someone who has never been to this stage uh, before, you know, you, it, I think this would be a pretty tough loss for her to take in, in terms of really where she's at in her career and and uh, and I think that for that reason alone, I think we're gonna I think we're going to see a pretty a pretty good showing from Radwanska, and I think. It, on the same token of what I just said about Muguruza, you know, a very good showing from her as well. And I think that all adds up to uh, one of the, probably the day's most intriguing semifinal, if not the most potentially resonant. Because if Maria Sharapova can somehow beat Serena Williams, uh, it's almost, you know, it would be hard-pressed to top that even, even the rest of the tournament on the women's side at least. I mean, that... That is the result uh, of the w, of the women's event that you would take away from Wimbledon, regardless of who ends up winning. It, is is the fact that Serena wouldn't win, and it would be Sharapova who was the person who could stop her from doing that. But, and that's where I kind of changed course pretty pretty quickly from that little uh, diatribe. There is that. Serena, you know, in her in her comeback over Azarenka, you could I think you could just as easily see that being, you know, her truth. I guess her win over Heather Watson was tougher in in terms of the sheer deficit she faced, but the win over Radwanska could end the win over Azarenka could end up being, you know, her signature moment of this Slam. We we got to see, I think, the Azarenka that we've known has been there this year and that we know is kind of not that far away from emerging. Uh, someone made a good point about someone on Twitter 
that I follow, so I apologize because I don't know who you are at the moment, but uh, made a good point in that Azarenka, you know, we're going to see this this addition of her coming into her favorite part of the year, the summer hard court stretch, uh, you know, U.S. hard courts, um, and and that's true. I mean, she could, you know, if if you say Serena might win Wimbledon, which is obviously not a stretch by any means, it's it could perhaps end up being. Azarenka at in New York, who could end up, who could really be the the final big hurdle for Serena to clear towards uh, you know ultimate tennis glory with this calendar slam. But in a, in a number of ways, we're getting ahead of ourselves. I understand that, but there have been a lot. There's been a lot in these in this last quarterfinal round and what could potentially happen in this round that I think has kind of a you know, an, an effect beyond these hallowed walls in SW19 in London, England. Um, Wimbledon has a way of doing that. I've always really contended that this slam matters so much more than the others in my mind. I, they're all equal in what they give, and uh, but, you know, I, I've always felt that Winning Wimbledon is just is such a bigger notch than winning any other slam. And when you look at the role of champions on both the men's and women's side in history, you know, it's it reads, you know, like a pretty much a Hall of Fame list. Um, it's particularly true on the men's side of late. There's obviously been had a had an invasion from Marion Bartoli. Um, there's been some others in the recent years, but you know, it, it this tournament. I think, as I wrote today, pardon me, but the strawberries and cream tend to rise to the top here. And you know, when I when I look at uh, where the men's game is, for example, and people are kind of waiting for this big four era, this this you know, established guard era to kind of give way to a new era. Uh, when one of those guys doesn't win Wimbledon, then we can start talking because when we get to, you know, we're going to get to the men's semis in just a moment here. And you look at the names that are there, uh, three of the big, the big four are there. And, uh, and it just shows kind of what the importance, what importance these players put on this event, this tournament you know, in some ways you wouldn't be able to. In some ways, it's hard to to imagine that coming off of a long clay season in the French Open, that the players can get themselves charged back up enough to contend on this surface. You know, this is pretty much right after a, a I would say, a stretch of almost 12 weeks of really, really big tournaments. But inevitably, Wimbledon always tends to get the best out of the best players and you know going back to where we are Serena versus Sharapova you're seeing it in this semifinal of course too we've seen we've seen a lot of good tennis from Sharapova this Wimbledon most recently against Coco Vandeweghe in the quarters where Sharapova to her credit wins in three after failing to serve out the match in straights and she got a you know a very difficult test from player who has a game that can do very, you know, very good things on grass. Had a faced a player who got the crowd on her side. Faced a player who had zero to lose, of course. And for Sharapova to get through that in three, 
says a lot about where she is, um, you know, tennis-wise, head-wise. You know, she clearly wants this match against Serena again. As that is the one thing is I I don't deny I I, I think that she genuinely does want to get as many cracks at Serena as she can. It's kind of like the you know when I used to play ping pong with my friend and at the college dorm that we had about 20 times a day and if I was playing someone that I couldn't beat for 15 times I just refused to let it go I just I would just always want that next match uh, because you know that when you do finally win it's gonna feel pretty good and perhaps in some ways you feel like you're just it's gonna it's gonna break your way sometimes and that's the big strange thing about this this matchup is that for all the times that you perhaps think Sharapova has can figure Serena out, nothing it has not broken her way, and in in some ways it's gotten even more lopsided over time. Uh, many of their matches have been totally, completely uncompetitive. Uh, we've seen, I think, better from Sharapova against Serena, uh, but but it's you know, in the end, it's going to really. Even if Sharapova wins, it's going to come down to what Serena can or cannot do. And maybe that's the way that we talk about, you know, this matchup is what Sharapova can't do as opposed to what Serena can do. If that dynamic gets flip-flopped where we're seeing something that Serena cannot do for, for once this year at the majors, maybe that is what it's going to take for for Maria Sharapova to finally get that that win over her and it's it would be a quite a place to do it if she does it you know at Wimbledon which is where you know she recorded one of those two wins against Serena that is always talked about when when these two play so but for me if I pick winners of this Serena versus um this is a tough one to call the uh, the Rudwanska Muguruza match, but I do like Muguruza in this one. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with her and uh, have her play Serena in the final. Those are my picks for the women's semis. Now onto the men's side, which we just finished uh, finished up with today. Um, lot to say about about today's play. I wanted to start way back at the beginning with with what I thought was just the latest example of tennis tripping over its own feet, doing itself in with just real, just you know, myopic sort of stupidity on the terms of the sport and, and how it's governed. Really how it's not even governed because there's no central authority for this type of stuff, which I think is why it happens. And that is the time violations, which last year we had a big I think we had a big push earlier in the year uh, for umpires to really crack down on, on players taking more than 20 seconds at slams, taking more than 25 seconds on tour events before they serve. And uh, and that that happened, and then it didn't stick for, you know, to, to me, from what I saw, it didn't stick after that. And it kind of drifted back into the... the really arbitrary decisions of the chair umpires as to when to call time violations. Now, the which to me is not a is not a huge problem. I think I think judgment is kind of it's really how tennis is based originally on just calling the lines in or out, you know, you're making a 
in some ways you are making a judgment call. I mean, there's empirical evidence whether the ball landed on the line or not, but you are judging uh, that call, and you really are doing the same thing when it comes to when it comes to time violations on serves. The problem is that for me is that we only it's just it seems like we only tend to see these or notice at least notice them for sure, but it seems to be more frequent than noticing. It's it's that these calls are happening on extremely critical junctures of matches. So today, when Vashik Pospisil was playing Andy Murray, tied 5-5 in the second set at 30-all, that was the time as decided by chair umpire Pascal Murillo to make his first time violation warning, which, as much as you can try to, to block it out, it has an impact on the match. It has an impact on that immediate sequence of play. Murray, to no to not to my surprise, certainly won the point, won on to win the set. Um, I just don't, I do not, uh, I don't understand how how it can register in a chair umpire's head. If you have not called one, and surely there would be a time that it happened before, and even if not, you you just have to realize kind of the occasion and of course Pospisil is going to take his time because at that stage of the match if you if you more or less go if you go down two sets or you are a point away from going on two sets you can pretty much write off the match uh, as in in terms of your own chances so you know just I just wish that there would be some more consideration for the occasion this is when the most eyes are on the sport this is when and it's when the sport, to me, looks poorest, is when we're talking not about what happened during the point, but we're talking about something that happened before or after a point. And, I, and a lot of people got on Maria for that call today on Twitter, on ESPN, um, and I think it was rightfully deserved. I just it, it just did not seem right to me what was happening there, and... We've seen that a lot from from Nadal. Uh, of course, he's kind of the poster boy for this. But I thought this was a particularly rough rough uh, ride here today on that match, or at that point of that match. Murray ends up winning that in straights. This, this was part of a largely drama-free day on the men's side in which Djokovic, Murray, and Federer all win their quarterfinals in straight sets. And you could definitely predict that beforehand. This, you know, these were not. This was not exactly a a round a round of eight brimming with, you know, matches that were that were must must see. Uh, Djokovic was 12 and 0 against Chilich. Uh, he beat him in straights. Federer against Simone. You know, I think it was a five and two for Federer head to head, but you know, clearly. You don't expect a player like Simone to be able to beat Federer at Wimbledon. Roger had no trouble in that match. And Murray over Pospisil. Pospisil clearly is the uh, the least accomplished of any of the names I've mentioned before. Had a great run at this tournament for sure, but you know th- there was not a, not even for a second did I think Murray would have any would have anything but a a, a win after after that match. And that's how they happen. And and to be quite honest. Um, you know, it, to me, I'm looking ahead to those semis already involving them. Federer-Murray, of course, is just tremendous. Um, 
you know, tw 2012, they played here within a month apart on center court in the Wimbledon final and then the Olympic final. Um, you know, a huge, huge match for both guys. Uh, more so for Federer, in my opinion. Um, I did pick Murray to win this tournament when asked about it beforehand for the expert picks for Tennis.com. Uh, that's you know certainly not to say I wouldn't be surprised if Federer win Federer wins this. Um, I sh I'm meaning a win by him would not surprise me at all. But uh, I mean I'll stick with what I say there. Um, Murray Murray is actually you know you have to remember Murray is only 11 and 12 against Federer all time. He's he's very you know he's he has had Federer's number for stretches of a time and. He plays the type of game where it's, you know, it, there is a lot. Federer will be made to hit. Federer's forehands, you know, have not been off target today. This tournament, his serve hasn't, nothing hasn't, really, for the most part. He was broken today for the first time in 116 service games. 117, actually. He had 116 holds in a row. But he hasn't faced a returner like Murray so far this tournament. And he hasn't played someone who has been able to execute the level of grass court, uh, you know, ability that you we're going to expect to see from Murray in that match. You know, Simone is a player who I would have thought would have given a better showing today because he can get so many balls back, and maybe at some point you see that Federer forehander backhand start to leak. But it's Murray who's going to. You know, end up. It's what it seems like being the person who's going to really show, really try to expose Federer any weakness he can. He's going to try to exploit because Murray can position the ball anywhere. Uh, he can return great, of course. Um, Murray has the. I don't want to hear about this as an, a match of offense and defense. Murray has plenty of offense in his own right. He's shown that against all the big players. Uh, at Wimbledon before when he won it in 2013. But, you know, I would expect to see a lot of Federer backhands being hit this that match. And if Roger can keep, can hold down that side, uh, that's, you know, that to me is really going to determine a lot of this match. Uh, it's not going to be, it is, I would be absolutely stunned if it's a uh, three-setter uh, as compared to what they played today. They're even going to be a little more rested for because their matches were so quick. So, you know, to me, I mean, I do, I will stick with my selection of Murray to win. Um, I feel a little less confident that now that what from what I've seen from Federer this tournament, he looks tremendous, and um, you know, that 18th major, that elusive 18th one, does not seem like it's that far out of reach, and. Uh, but it's 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 gonna be a great one. It'll be center court, of course. I mean, just really, really good stuff. Um, so, you know, to uh, to me, that's you know, that's what I'm look. That's where I kind of have the decisions of, about those guys. Um, and uh, and let's you know, before I get to my last point, I did want to see if I had any questions regarding. Um, you know, regarding that. Oh, it's more about the the time violations. This is what I asked on on Twitter at Ad McGrogan. Um, you know, we had a few thoughts here about you know about the really the situation that presented itself today, and 
and what people, you know, how how it should be handled on the court um, from all of us, from some of our some of our visitors here. Yeah, let me bring up the names here. Sorry about that. You know, at Global Light Sports. Um, if a fan or player distracts Pospisil about to serve, they might throw them out. How about a warning after the serve? Um, so much inconsistencies with the umps. If the rule is to be enforced, can't just call it during the 5-5 crucial game. Needs to be always. That's from at Mike Sig 2234. You know, I 100% agree with that there. Um, at Scoob's Tennis from Chris P., Extend the time between points to 30 seconds. Show some flexibility and stop calling uh, TVs, whatever that means. It's just ridiculous. Time violations. I probably should know that since I said it about a thousand times this podcast. Um, that's, I mean, that's tough when you get into the, you know, when you're declaring that 30 seconds is okay. That that does add, that will add a lot of time to the matches, but, you know, show some flexibility, I think, is the key part of that response my good friend john levy at 72 unforced you know gear guru at tennis.com you know he says there was not one point there was not one moment in the match when i thought to myself i really wish pospisa would speed things up and yeah i mean when i watched that point it you know it didn't to me it was never like oh why is pospisa taking so long it never got to that point it just seemed like a very strange time to impose that rule so that brings us to you know to today's final match that we just saw, Gasquet over Ravrinka 11-9 in the fifth, uh, the day's best men's match, the day's best match by far, and truthfully, I mean a great and perhaps an unexpected showing in my mind from Gasquet, um, not just because of kind of the scar tissue that he has, because he has reached. The Wimbledon semis. I actually forgot that he reached the U.S. Open semis only two years ago. Totally forgot about that. And this is someone who used to write a blog that had Richard Gasquet's name uh, in the title. But to me, uh, you know, Gasquet has this. You know, he has the match on his. He's, he wins the first set. He drops the next two. You kind of think at that point it's about time for Richie to go away. But he takes the fourth and gets the serve for the match in the fifth. And it's at that point where he drops serve. And to me, you know, I uh, I thought that at any if, if Gasquet was to win, no matter how he ended up winning this match, it would have been a, you know, a colossal achievement. And he ends up doing that. He basically regroups very, very quickly in my mind, which is the whole key, was that he wasn't, you know, immediately broken again. Uh, right after failing to serve out the match in five, he sort of he exchanges really quick holds with Ravrinka for about six or seven games um, to get them to get the fifth set, you know, to nine nine, and then he basically you know waits for Ravrinka out really for a game where Ravrinka really just threw it away with four um, four pretty poor errors. This this was. You know, Stan looked Stan looked the part of the you know the fourth ranked player of the world in this match. For a lot of it, he had I think close to 80 winners. He um, you know had the forehand, the backhand, 
you know, kind of the player I expected to see win this match in three or four sets because I, I didn't give Gasquet much of a shot in this one the way Stan has been hitting it since uh, since Roland Garros. But, you know, Gasquet waited him out, um, and we just saw a very surprising error-filled game um, from Stan where he had to hold. It was... It was it was Stan who was forced to serve second throughout the through the fifth set, which I think came to be pretty important. Um, you know, Gasquet never had to hold each time. Um, he never you know that I think that I think that was a key. And um, you know, from now you get you get Novak versus Gasquet. Novak with a I think a big I think a big edge here. I think a bit of a gift from the draw gods, you know, I think, you know, as I wrote, if you look back at Djokovic's draw at Roland Garros and how tough it was, you know, you get Roth in the quarters, he had to play Murray over two days in the semis, um, that, you know, that's kind of a act of God thing because the, you know, the way the weather worked out in the darkness, and then he gets, you know, a lightning, a lightning white hot Stan Vrinka in the final could not have had a tougher draw in my opinion. This draw this year has broken very nicely for him. He was away from Murray, Nadal, Federer in the to start, and now he avoids his certainly his biggest challenge on his side in Vrinka with Gasquet taking out uh, taking out Stan. And um, if, with all that said. I'm I'm not gonna kind of back off and say well maybe Gasquet maybe it's kind of his time I think it was maybe his time today in this one particular match I mean he did hit he I've always said that he's kind of more than just his backhand and he showed that today at times uh, throughout the match uh, pretty good serve you know forehand can win points too very good defense um, he's got a you know, he has a complete game he's just not known for he's just known for one shot. And uh, but I think he put it, you know he put it all together today in one of the biggest wins of his career. But I don't see I don't see that happening against against Djokovic. I, I think I think I think most importantly Djokovic kind of kind of realizes really the good fortune that's been put upon him here, and uh, and I think I think he's going to take advantage of that. And, and, you know, obviously if he wins, he's going to get a very tough opponent in the final, but I expect him to win, um, you know, at taping 11, a, um, a one on Twitter, you know, what, what do you expect from the Djokovic Gasquet saying, will Gasquet have any chance at all? Certainly, a ch- I mean, certainly a chance, of course, you just beat Ravrinka, but I just, I have a hard time seeing him backing it up with a win over Djokovic uh, for sure um, Fat Nancy back again, always appreciate that at PHAT Nancy as kids it was Gasquet that was considered the special one among Murray and Novak finally coming to his potential no, because I, I don't think so because I think Ga- I think we've already seen the peak of Gasquet you know, a few years back I mean he was in the top 10 for a fairly decent stretch, and was certainly more. He's always hung around the top 20, but I think I think we definitely saw a point in Gasquet's career where you could you could pinpoint and say 
this is probably the best tennis that we've seen from him. And um, and I think that uh, I think his potential has been reached. Uh, where that takes him, I don't know. Maybe 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 uh, maybe he will put one over on uh, Novak for all those people who have followed him and stuck with him longer than I have. And uh, like I said, if you follow, if you've for whatever reason followed me from way back, you know what I'm talking about there. Um, Gascan Racket, of course. Uh, the uh, the predecessor to all of this. So, you know, if you want to if you want to get into writing, write your blogs and just keep at it because you never know what can happen. And Gasquet, who knows? You never know what can happen with him. But anyways, um, tweet your questions to at Ed McGrogan, E D M C G R O G A N. We'll take them on the next across the podcast. Most likely after the women's semis, uh, but perhaps after both semifinal days have been played. We'll see. Uh, But until then, thank you for listening, as always, and uh, come back next time. This is Ed McGrogan for Tennis.com. You've been enjoying the Tennis.com podcast. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com.